0: Welcome to the We Bear Witness Podcast, where we discuss church life, theological questions, and cultural influences. Our podcasts are available via Google, Spotify, Apple, and many other podcast platforms. We hope you subscribe and enjoy the show. Hey everybody, thanks for listening to the We Bear Witness Podcast. We really do appreciate it. We don't tell you that you guys that enough, but Thanks for tuning in. Um, I'm here with Mr. Dylan Whitaker. Good to be back. uh, Husband and father, soon to be a real live-action father, as uh, as Emily's set to...
1: Give birth when? When's the due date? Uh, November the 8th, That's so exciting. less than two months. A fall, baby. Yep. Coming out before Thanksgiving. Wanting the
0: pumpkin spice latte like everybody yep. else. It's babies born with Uggs. Um, Actually, we, it's probably <laughs> going to be more like turkey, you know? <laughs> That's true. Forget the pumpkin spice. Forget pumpkin. You'll be over it by then. Yeah. Um, no, we're excited because today uh, we really wanted to discuss um, kind of our time at the SYNC conference. Dylan and Emily attended. I attended with Amy Joe, and we brought Little Deacon um, our six-month-old son, not yet six months, but uh, the girls stayed behind here with my parents. And, and then I guess we had about 20 people yeah.
1: from Millia Baptist Church here at to Beach. Yes, yeah, it's, it's kind of something that our church has done uh, multiple years. Um, and it's become this thing that I really look forward to each year. It's a time to get away. Yeah, tell um, them exactly what Sing Nashville uh, is. Uh, Sing is uh, hosted by the Getty's a ministry there. Uh, And they bring in a lot of the different songwriters that have written a lot of the songs uh, that we now sing in our churches today in Christ Alone, um, you know, uh, uh, Pass the Promise, songs like that, that have been released recently. Um, They bring that together. There's so much worship time. Uh, They bring in uh, powerful speakers, uh, pastors. Um, and it's normally uh, themed around a topic uh, each year uh, that has to do with worship, worship in the church, how it relates to the local body, to the global body of believers. And it's just a real time to get um, refreshed, um, to, to learn some valuable lessons uh, that can be brought back uh, into our daily lives and then also into our church lives. Do you remember what spurred Keith Getty um, on as to why
0: they started the sing? conference i mean obviously it was connected to worship but.
1: yeah you know i don't i don't remember the exact story but I, I believe it was along the lines of he had this vision to cover five major topics mm-hmm. you know like uh, uh psalms and worship mm-hmm. christ and worship the great commission uh, or christ and song basically yeah. the great commission yeah, christology um and and so each year for five years they focused on a different topic mm-hmm. um and so now that we're past those five years there's there's been released this this year five new topics that are coming out this next year uh next year is going to be in the next coming years, next year's going to be on the Great Commission yeah, the most worship.
0: Right. The most interesting thing to me about the whole thing is that, like, let's say a church gets a hold of this conference. And how many people do you think attended this past year?
1: Uh, I heard about seven thousand. Yeah, so yeah. seven thousand. I think that's that was a good bit, right? Yeah. Was there more in recent years? Uh, before you know COVID, I think the highest there was was about eleven. That's crazy. Yeah, eleven thousand. Okay, so that's crazy. So. Because, pe- because the point is, people who are attending and these primarily are from all over
0: the world. Are all over the country and all over the world international appeal mm-hmm. um, which is really cool to Interdenominational see. appeal. Yes. And that's kind of where we're going to be getting not necessarily denominationally but church services. Yeah. And why conferences like this lead to a bigger conversation about worship in our church services. Right. right. Uh, but one thing primarily is that these are a lot of worship leaders coming. You run into a lot of people who are uh, choir directors and that was one of the big things about Keith Getty. He was really saddened to see choirs Sort of decline, the amount of choirs decline in the United States in evangelical churches.
1: Yeah, in like a bigger picture of that, his belief, and I think ours here at Amelia Baptist, is that choirs are not there for performing, but they're there to lead the congregational and congregational singing. That, um, you know, the church is not a place where. Uh, the choir gets up and performs at the congregation and they sit there. It's a, it's a time for collective worship together um, with the choir and the worship team uh, kind of leading that way and, and being the support. That leads the rest of the congregation to worship.
0: Yeah, I mean, before we say any more, I want to provide a little bit of a warning label that that we are just here to provoke thought. I think we do have a pretty strong opinion on things. Um, when it comes to worship specifically, it does matter a great deal to us. And both Dylan and I are musical, and and we enjoy that that aspect of our worship service greatly. And and really, so do the people at Emily Baptist Church, uh, choir and orchestra included, congregational singing. But it is in no way meant to demean other types of worship. Um, we're, we're worshiping the same God, the same Christ. Styles and preferences have caused way too much division in the past. But one thing is, uh, attached to the podcast today, you'll see a challenge. You'll see some uh, something to think about, and you might completely disagree. Uh, and that's okay. We, uh, if you disagree, we'd love to hear about it, actually. Um, but I, I want to make sure that no one hears this as an affront and goes, this is just like recycled legalism. They're just thinking, you know, their way is the best, and I can't worship through my Phil Wickham you know that's not right you know right. that's
1: not I don't know why I and if like you don't, if you don't agree I have a great email address that you can email <laughs> all your complaints to it's Adam, uh, Adam I the org. joke was that
0: we give Neils yeah uh,
1: well you know now that <laughs> <laughs> you gotta start learning how to respond to some of these emails here <laughs> you know don't worry uh, there's plenty of people on Twitter that email Stephanie and uh, let
0: them know that they're upset with something I've said so uh, that's enough and uh, then she like like a good God <laughs> (laughs) Mother comes and talks to you. They don't know that. (laughs) They don't know that the secretary of the church is my godmother. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Um, but (laughs) it's what it is. So so moving on into sort of uh going to the same conference, you and I could spend the next hour talking about all the things we've loved. The breakout sessions, Tim Chalice, um uh, Andrew Peterson gets an invite, Shannon Shane. Uh, it's the Gettys, of course, um, Sovereign City Grace, the Coughlins yeah. are always present. City of Light was a huge presence uh, this this year, having risen to sort of like worship fame, uh, which is a weird wor- uh, phrase, but it's yeah. true. Um, they kind of came on the scene a couple of years back, and now everybody's singing their songs, Yet Not I, But Christ Through Me, and uh, Only a Holy God, right, is that one? great songs uh great songwriters and young dude i think the oldest person in the band i saw was 20 years old
1: yeah and the crazy thing about that is they're it's not what they do for a living i mean the only guy who's in full-time ministry is the worship the guy, the guy who writes all the songs who's um, running the sound i don't even
0: think he was was he even singing or well playing?
1: yeah he was one of the singers but okay. like the main writers are guys that have like secular secular jobs out yeah. there they're in finance right. they're in, I mean like, like CPAs. it's so cool yeah. because it's, it's like this is just something they write these songs for their church yeah. and record it and put it on YouTube and they become yeah so, know, if, so if, if, right. if
0: all this podcast is is for you to get your family introduced to City of Light then go for it but listening forward um, there is a great article by a man named Scott Clark talking about Keith Getty giving his opinion on what Dylan and I mean when um, we see a reason for a sing conference to focus back it's it's hymns. Uh, is worship songs and when I say hymns we're not we're not just talking about uh, you know peace in the valley and the big little white book in the back of the the church we now need to kind of reconstruct that word hymns are songs that are glorifying God that's what hymns are they're about God they're about his character they're about who he is and what he's done they're directed at him and they're about him yes. so so there's a lot less me a lot more you O oh lord right and so that's kind of that's that's what hymns have been for for thousands of years right like since the psalms so we've always sung hymns to God, God's always given us singing. The Bible talks a lot about singing, so uh, that is to really be inferred. that As Christians, we are to be singing praises to the Lord. This is this is a heart cry. This is joy, and and even John Lennox did a small part on how this uh, singing affects the brain in, in a positive way. And so it was very informative. We really do. We'll we'll leave some information about the conference for those of you who want to attend next year. But but really, the point of today is to get into Keith Getty's thoughts and to kind of for Dylan and I. Uh, to challenge you to think about, okay, what are the songs I'm singing at my in my worship service? Um, if I'm a worship leader, have I really given this a lot of prayer and thought? If I'm attending a church, has it been more about style and uh, how things are put together rather than what I'm sing, singing and is what I'm singing have a serious or not so serious effect on my worship on my outlook or my theology of Jesus altogether? So there's this great article by Scott Clark, like I said, That's really talking about an interview that was taking place with Keith Getty. And one thing I really love and appreciate about Scott Clark is that before he even gets into Getty, he talks about that book written by Mike Horton called Christless Christianity. It's one of my favorite books. It was written back in 2008 and it it almost ended up sort of being a J. Gresham Macon's Christianity and liberalism. Like all of this stuff was happening in 2008, but 14 years later, it feels like it's all an overdrive Christless Christianity that you can have moralistic therapeutic deism or cultural Christianity without really an interest in Jesus himself. So everyone's a professed believer. Everyone loves the niceties. Everyone believes in a a Jesus that pats them on the back. Uh, He's their buddy. He's their friend. He's their homeboy. But when it comes to deep theology, uh, the roots of their faith, apologetics, explanation, Bible knowledge, it's in the toilet, evangelically, in America. It's in the toilet. And that's not an argument. That's a fact. Uh, You can go around and poll that, and people don't really know the Jesus that they claim to know. And it's a sad state uh, because theology is no longer really attractive uh, by professed believers. And so that's what the book is about. and sort of a, a shot across the bow. Well, he connects it to a 2021 interview with Keith Getty, who's the author of you know, In Christ Alone, uh, Power of the Cross, what are, How Deep the Father's Love for Us. What have they not written? Right. I mean, you'd have to throw a rock pretty far to hit a song that they haven't written in the hymnal uh, as of late. Uh, But this is what um, Keith Getty said. We want to know what you think about it. Over 75% of what are called the great hymns of the faith talk about eternity, heaven, hell, and the fact that we have peace with God, which is the gospel to Christ. Yet, less than 5% of modern worship songs talk about eternity. And this is what Scott Clark said. He said, to address the problem, he has founded a worship conference. This is Sing, which has become among the largest of its kind. And his goal in this is to draw the church back to the great hymns of the faith and to modern hymnody, which are artistically and theologically sound. And
1: you can tell as he's performing, he really loves his job. Yeah, there's a passion uh, by both uh, him and Kristen um, in what they do. And I think one of the great things is that when you're at that conference, you're seeing theologically sound uh, hymns f- f- from uh, hundreds and hundreds of years, a span of hundreds and hundreds of years. So it's not all just songs that they have written that are, that are sung at this conference. And I think that's what he's talking about here in his heart in that.
0: Right. And, and the biggest argument he makes is that a lot of contemporary worship music, uh, Hillsong, Hillsong United, uh, Elevation. Um, you know, I would, I would argue even Maverick City's thrown into this. I know Bethel is. Um, much contemporary worship music that people love, that people utilize uh, in their worship services, seems to be aesthetically and biblically vacuous. So he's, he is basically calling out Christians, and he's saying we've chosen sort of an artistic form and a, a preference and really watered down Lyrics over the depths of the Bible and theology put to song. Um, what do you think about? That? I mean, I have my own thoughts about that, of course. Um, to the point where I'll just be flat honest with you: every time I really dive deep in the artists out there who are writing hymns, and and man, I think people have no idea what we mean when we they say they're being modernized. Like I thought the first Christian Stanfell started doing that, like at the Passion conferences. Like I remember when he first did. Um, Jesus paid it all, you know, and he did it his own way. And everyone was good because he even added that bridge, you know, oh, praise the one who paid my debt, you know, like all of that was new. And so they know what modernized hymns were. I was even doing that back as a worship pastor in, mm-hmm. in 2009. But when they hear hymns, they run. The more I find myself in hymns, the more I find it near impossible. Look, I'm being dead serious. Impossible to really get lost in modern contemporary band, Christian band music. I'm not talking about the preference. I'm not talking about the style. I'm not talking about any of that. Because the style, City of Light, is a great example of that. They do like a Hillsong United style to their music, but the words and the lyrics are hymns. They're they're speaking of theological accuracies and they're to the Lord instead of a me-centered
1: experience
0: disguised as a worship song.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, um, as, as... we think about worship. Um, what is worship? It's uh, lifting up the name of the one who is worthy of worship. Um, and so if that's the goal and that's the, the, the point of worship, then our our music should reflect that. Right. Our hymns should reflect that. And, you know, uh, when you're in a, a time of um, suffering, suffering was a huge topic in this conference yeah. here. If you're in a time of suffering, if you're in a time of heartache, if you're in a time of discouragement, um, you know, as one of the writers for City Light said, you're probably not going to remember, you know, every word that the pastor said, um, you you know, from the pulpit. But what's going to come to mind is those hymns that you know, you know, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when Mm. sorrows like sea billows roll. Um, and so, you know, it's the truth of, of the gospel that are encapsulated in this music. For my savior loves me
0: so. Right. You know, he will hold me fast. That's right. And people are like, well, that sounds me centered. No,
1: but the, the lyrics are all about who is holding you. Yeah. Not just the euphoria of being held. For my life, he bled and died. Christ will hold me fast. I mean, that's in that song. He will hold me fast. He will hold me fast. Yeah. Um, so you're talking about what Christ has done for you. Um, it gives purpose to life. It brings peace in times of sorrow. And I think um, it's it's worshipful in, in that it acknowledges why we are able to worship, that we were nothing without Christ. And now we are everything in Christ. Yeah. Um, and I think that's important for us as a church to continually remind our congregations, to remind um, our community around us that Christ is all, uh, yeah. and without him, we're nothing. Yeah, and
0: one of the reasons why Keith Getty said it's gone this
1: way, he said he
0: believes that a principal function of most contemporary worship music is to produce a mild euphoria. He says today's worship music, contemporary worship music, right, uh, puts the T back in therapeutic. It makes people feel good but instead of feeling godly, people are just settling for this massage parlor, in ya, candles, you know, like laying back, chill out, I'm at ease, I'm at all. Uh, when the pastor, you know, at the end of the service has to have somebody playing the, the music and build it as he's talking. You know, to me, that, that can be a dangerous thing to do. It's not necessarily a sin, but it can be something that you have to watch because what is drawing that person, the emotional experience, or like the Bible says, the gateway of all truth, the knowledge that you obtain. Because the bottom line is, and this is non-negotiable, uh, we will stead- stand by uh, with a quickness what we know, and we will tend to fluctuate on what we feel. Our feelings can change from 5 p.m. to 501 pm. with a phone call. That's not a great place to put our faith. But as a result of what we know to be true, what we sing to be true what we repeat to be true this is where the doctrines and the hymns and deep good preaching comes in when it comes to this is what the bible says is your authority it's from that we have a wellspring of feelings because people will say well there isn't probably not a lot of emotion at those conferences and i'm sitting there going you've never been there's no way you can sing some of these songs and not sit there and weep
1: yeah i, I mean <laughs> when you come face to face with who you are and who christ is i think there's an there's a response um, that comes in the Christian's life. Right. And, that's, and that's what you see. You know, um, uh, like you said, emotions change. Emotions are, are fleeting. Um, ultimately, when we stand before Christ, um, there's only one thing that's important. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, are we found in him? Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, are we secure in our faith in Christ? And I think that everything that the church does from worship, music, to the preaching, to the prayer, uh, to the programs that are in the church needs to be focused on pointing back to Christ, that Christ is all in all. Right, that that part of the critique is that these songs that are so incredibly popular,
0: they talk about Jesus, they mention God, but the, the main focus of the song is on the feeling or the experience the believer is having. This is what makes. I hate to break you feelings. Not going to save you, you know. But the exactly, and this is the bottom line: is that they that Getty argues that that's addictive. Mm -hmm. That that feeling of being uh, safe and and that feeling and that experience that you're feeling because of how the song is crafted is what you're really being drawn to. So my question would really be. Do you see that in your own life? If you're listening and 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 you can't worship to anything that doesn't have you know synthesizers and E minor for four minutes, are then are you even listening to the lyrics? Because what moves me in "Lord Have Mercy" by Matt Papa and Matt Boswell, which is a song of recognition of sin and deep confession. And if it was if I had any say whatsoever on how everyone started their worship service, which would be like a weird dictatorial utopia of my own fashioning. So I'm not saying that that's real or should happen, but you would begin every worship service with this deep confession for Mm -hmm. the sins you did in the car on the way to church of Lord have mercy. God have mercy. Lord have mercy on us. You know, so there's this whole thing, I'm obviously in great shape. I can't even sing like a line without choking
1: to death. Like I'm smoking cools. Uh but <laughs> yeah, for those of you who are not in in the studio with us, Adam is uh uh digging deep into his inner um uh Outdoorsman look. I'm we- I know a- I'm wearing a headband, and it's not important. The, the Either point that or, or pro quarterback. The I point can't decide is, where- I
0: don't. We're getting off topic. The <laughs> point is, I don't want to keep wearing hats because it's thinning out a little bit.
1: So I need. To I think it's it affected it. your voice, though. It's so.
0: Something happened, but uh, maybe that was conviction. <laughs> <laughs> the Lord have mercy line. Where is this in our in our worship? Are we scared to sing of our sin? Are we scared to sing of realities we don't want to think about? I mean. That's the real question is, think about what people are during preaching. Think about how their preaching typically affects the band and the worship and the music. You know, if, if a sermon is me-centered and drawing out someone's feelings or attempting to manipulate them into confession.
1: You shouldn't always leave, I mean, we've said this before, but you shouldn't always leave uh, a sermon by your pastor feeling you good. Yeah. I mean, you should be like <laughs> broken over, over the word of God and how... Your life is, you're living that out. I mean, you should be convicted. When I say broken, I mean convicted. You should be convicted by the word of God. Right, and and, you know, Uh, a
0: lot of sinners uh, in the pulpits over the years. Yeah. A lot of tough dudes. We're all sinners, but a lot of bad preachers and pastors who have manipulated that position have... Have made a all the way at the other end of the spectrum kind of reaction to where now no one wants to hear about their sin because that's all they ever heard. Right. Uh, so, so you know, because they did couldn't preach the gospel then, people feel fearful to preach the gospel and sing the gospel now. And we got to find ourselves in the scripture. Not yeah, the and my point is spectrum.
1: if if we have that expectation for the sermon, why don't we have that same expectation for worship mm-hmm. in the mornings? Yeah. Like. Um, you know, there's there's those songs of praise, and then there's like you said, the songs of confession of here's who I am and here's who Christ is.
0: Yeah, the Psalms uh, is what's sort of missing from from our worship. Uh, getting away from the Psalms, uh, the ancient church, of course, uh, was not a psalmless age, and, and it feels like today we're sort of living in a
1: psalmless age. Psalms the are the so church. deep, and there's so much um rich praise and suffering. Suffering uh Which is a huge them. part of Christianity. Yeah, and for me, I mean, that was probably one of my favorite Getty conferences was yeah. one that was just focused 100% on the Psalms and yeah. how those related to the Christian life. And there's so many de- I mean, um think of think of uh Psalm 23 by Shane and Shane. I mean, there's just something about uh that song, uh, you know, surely goodness, surely mercy. Yeah. Right beside me all my days. And that was Shane and just, Shane knocking that, you know, yeah. rele- relevant, you know. Modern ben- artists band. that are seeing these, these psalms that just feed um, and, and heal the soul. Yep. And they're what God intended these psalms to be, psalms to be I believe, for the Christian. Um, those psalms were not just written by David for his time. They're right. relevant to us today. Yep. And I think we forget that. Yeah, there are five doxologies in, in the Psalter uh,
0: you know, when I first entered reformed churches, you know, I was under that impression that the doxology was just something we closed services with. And I'm sitting there going, no, man, you got the richest doctrine in the Bible, uh, written in the musical form of these Psalms. And to ignore it would be a travesty and it's not picking names and going, you know, cause I don't want people to listen to this and go, well, I really like those bands and that music and look, they're a bigger fish to fry in your spiritual growth. But this is, we believe, something that is contributing to the lack of doctrine and lack of theology that is in the church today, and that is a big deal. And so if it is contributing, that's something that we should be thinking about and talking about. Um, so should we listen to Keith Getty? Well, he's not, you know, he's not the, he's not the pope of the evangelical <laughs> circles. Uh, and speaking of non-denominational, uh, you know, you had, you had Anglican evangelical and uh, Presbyterian and Baptist a lot of people, Pentecostal. Yeah. I mean,
1: sure I don't know how many denominations were represented there. But it yeah. showed
0: denominational uh, unity at a time where we could all center around the authority of the word and, and teach and preach and sing songs that were about the word. I yeah. think that was the main point and for it, me. To
1: me, it's almost like a little taste of what heaven will be like. I mean, it's nowhere close, but a little taste of what it will be like where, you know, people from all over the world uh, and all backgrounds gather together before the Lord, mm-hmm. and it's all about Christ. Like, well, that's it. Yeah. There's none of this, you know, um, uh, other things that a lot of times take our focus away from the gospel.
0: And, and let me ask, let me, end. let's end with, uh, let me ask you a question. Yes. So we'll close. Do you think, because I, I've visited churches before, and even preached at churches, where You know, I'm not going to, we're not going to get into the whole, there's a traditional service and there's a contemporary service. We're not going to get into that at all. Oh, goodness. We're going to get into, do you feel like sometimes pastoral staff, including the worship leaders, the choir leaders, if there even is a choir, had to feel pressured to maintain attendance. And that is what shapes their, their, their wanting to go into these modern Christian contemporary songs rather than really seek out songs of challenge songs of doctrine, uh, theological depth. Like, well, how, how much do you think unfortunate pragmatism plays in
1: that? Yeah, I mean, again, it goes back to why are you singing the songs you're singing? And I think, you know, we've all seen over the years, at one point in time, I think the the beginning of contemporary Christian music, in some ways, was, uh, well, we don't want to do it like, you know, our parents did it, so let's, right. tr- let's create something new. Right. Um, that Wasn't all bad, and and I hope people understand that we're not saying that all everything that came out of uh, that initial movement mm-hmm. was bad. Um, no, not uh, at all. It, no, we were ro- raised in we the 90s with uh, yeah, I mean, bold, some, be strong, celebrate
0: Jesus, celebrate,
1: da, da, da. yeah, like, it, all that stuff it, was it, just at the Getty empty Conference. There was somebody talking and, about Christian, you know, uh, rap, um, <laughs> right. and, and how. That movement yeah, man. Uh, one, one, was six. theologically dude, sound and glorifying to back God. Back in
0: the day, back in the day, yeah. 10, 10, 12 years ago, Lecrae, Andy, Minio, KB, a lot of those dudes, they brought theological depth. I mean, one of my favorites was speaking there, Shylin. Yeah. If you haven't heard Shylin, I mean, he has a song called The Hypostatic Union. It's a rap song called The Hypostatic Union. So get into Shylin if you're into rap music, and you'll learn a seminary's worth of information.
1: Yeah, and so I think you know the churches. It's always a temptation, isn't it, Adam, for us to uh, structure or do things, even subconsciously, in order to uh, entertain please, your contemporaneous uh, and draw yeah. a, a crowd. Yeah. I mean that that is human nature. I think for all of us. Yeah. Um, and so I think in that sometimes, unfortunately. Uh, churches have uh, catered to um, people to the detriment of their theology and worship and their um, the strength of their hymns um, in that but I'm grateful because I see more and more churches that are understanding that Um, I see more and more churches that are choosing theologically sound worship um whatever the style might be whether it's hymns whether you know hymns from the 1800s whether it's hymns from 2001 yeah um and and i think that's important for us to understand Uh, again that in christ um that's the focus And, and so if we understand that christ is the focus then as we plan our worship services as we pick out the music uh, that's going to be sung in our uh, sanctuaries mm-hmm. um, it's going to be through that lens of theology of the bible um, and you know when we say theology i think people go well you're so focused on theology what we mean by theology is the word of god yeah. like are are, are, are all we looking all we should be focused are we looking theology. back to the book. study of god oh, uh, the study means, of the right? word of mm-hmm. god mm-hmm. there And are we applying that to everything that we do, not just our songs, our worship? And and the same same applies to um, our family worship. I think, and that's important to note. Like, we're not only talking about uh, in church on Sunday morning for an hour. Um, Like, uh, do your kids know these great hymns of faith? Like, from a very young age, are you? Um, exposing them to the word of God, who Christ is, who they are in relationship to Christ. Like, do they understand that even in the child, I mean, the Gettys even have a children's album of, of music that is theologically sound for kids. And let let me give you a good example here. I love what you've said. And I just want to give you a
0: lifetime example and then we'll close it out. But our middle child, Tegan, who's five years old, she relates with song. Mm -hmm. She's one of those kids who can hear the instrumental of a movie she just watched and she can tell you when she's listening to the soundtrack later where what happened
1: that's avery my yeah. brother Avery. Yeah. <laughs> what
0: happened in the movie when she heard that instrumental so the music is what connects her to those things she teaches she learns outside of it she learned to learn in it she learns outside of it kind of and she uh, miss pam had led us in oh the deep deep love i think it was right before we either left for sing or when we got back i can't remember but oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus, right? And that's what she was singing all day, was the, every lyric to oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus. Um, theological depth, sound, sound doctrine, uh, a joyous worship song of how rich Jesus' love for us is. Like his mercy will never outweigh the sins of a sinner. Or it will always outweigh the sins of a sinner. It will never uh, not be enough. Mm-hmm. And so we got to talk about it. And I'm thinking, I'd rather her know those than lyrics that could be sung to a significant other. Right. Can it be no different? Even, you know, so we're singing it to Jesus, these modern Christian contemporary songs to Jesus. We are meaning it to Jesus. And so in that moment, it can seem sincere. But can those lyrics taken away to, from a, a five year old singing around the house just be to uh, her boyfriend in 15 years? You know what I'm saying? Or 35 years when I let her go. <laughs> so the whole point is when you're 70. <laughs> <it, laughs> <it, it, laughs> like a- is, is what's resonating in our kids' hearts and, and not just our kids, in our hearts yeah. about Jesus and not about ourselves. And are we making it difficult? To make it about ourselves because we typically make it pretty easy so the point is let god's word do its work in our hearts and minds as the spirit uses it to direct us to christ and to sanctify us and to glorify god through us we thank you
1: guys so much uh for listening and uh we hope to be back with you in a couple weeks yeah and we're super excited about some of the upcoming uh podcasts we're looking to bring some guest speakers in this fall Um, And I'm really looking forward to that time. We're getting
0: all set up for some really great interviews. So keep plugging away. Thank you for sharing the podcast. And we hope it's uh, been a good part of your week.